This episode of the podcast contains spoilers for The Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past. Now. I just realized, as we've been um, filming these, that it looks like God is coming through my bathroom at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't well, I, I, dread I, to, <laughs> I dread to think what you've done in there to cause God to come. <laughs> Whenever he goes in there, he says, holy shit. <laughs> Very good. Well done, Very Tim. Good. Um, Tim, you started to talk about something which I thought was really good for um, the conversation. And that's the most important part of a sandwich. Is it the bread or the filling? Um, I'm of the opinion bread, because without the bread, you've just got, like, a salad. But without the filling, you've just got bread. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you can put <laughs> things in the bread. No, but I... then then you wouldn't have any filling. I'm well, then... of the strict opinion that it is the filling. The but filling like... makes a sandwich. Uh, you know what? I'm going to claim to be the expert here as somebody who was a professional sandwich maker at one time. <laughs> the bread is extremely important to, like, making a good sandwich. Like, I don't think you could do, like, a super fancy piece of, like, brioche bread with, like, you know, a little bit of flaky salt on top and then put tuna in it because then the filling ruins the bread. Have you guys ever seen those people that make earth sandwiches? Yes. Like those people that need to get out. Well, the thing is, they do. They <laughs> contact someone on the other side of the planet, and it's like, I'm going to put a piece of bread on the ground. You do the same, and we'll have an earth sandwich. Um, just kind of going back to Slade, what you said, I agree. The bread is very important. However, I still think the filling is what makes a sandwich. The, I, I've said this for the longest time. The greatest sandwich I've ever ate was at the JFK airport, and I've never been able to like figure out why it was so good. But that's lined the... with drugs. <laughs> so wait, sorry. De- describe the sandwich to me. It was uh, turkey. I don't know what kind of bread it was, but it was like the best bread I've ever had. It was at like a bakery. Okay. And can uh, I just point this... out that when I said describe the sandwich, you started with the filling. Yeah, but then I also said it was the best bread I've ever had. I would have just started the bread. Started with the filling. Well, yeah, that's what was in the sandwich. No, no. I said describe the sandwich. And the next thing I was going to point out, it had homemade pesto, which was also fantastic. Well, there you go. There's an advert of JFK sandwiches. Now, fuck, the JFK airport is like the biggest piece of shit. It fucking sucks. I like JFK airport. Uh, it's poorly times. laid out. And look, I'm, I'm a true believer in the Lost Atlanta in airport. LAX. Oh, the fact that you have to go outside to use the train to get to the other parts of the airport is what drives me. It's almost like you can't put a train indoors. You can, though, because, Tim, you've never flown in Atlanta. I haven't flown in Atlanta, but like, the I've train is a lot in, of airports. The train is inside the airport. What's the most important part of, what's the most important part of an airport? The plane or the filling? Uh, <laughs> hoping, <laughs> hoping for a lack of security. Oh, the only other, the only airport I can think the one that immediately comes to mind and Joey you'll know this Slade you won't um, Coventry Airport in the Midlands is a shed in a field with what I can describe as like biplanes is it, is it, it not um, is it not East Midlands Airport not Coventry it, it might be East Midlands there is one remember, by Derby yeah, it's, yeah it's just a shed I, in a field I, we have something similar in the town of uh, Pike Road that's actually the name of the town is Pike Road and uh, wow. there's a spot, there's a guy who has like his own airstrip out there. 
and it's just, it's a shed with the grass field that's neatly cut. But on the outside of the field, he has Bartlett International Airport. And so a lot of times when I'm going out to the country in the middle of nowhere, somebody will like, hey, make sure, you know, take a left at the International Airport. There, there isn't a real one. It's just a really obvious, recognizable, like, piece of grass, essentially. I, I watched a documentary recently about a Japanese man who was pressured by the Japanese government to sell his land so Tokyo Airport could make their proper expansions, and he refused, saying the fact saying the land was, has been in his family for generations. So Tokyo Airport built around his farm, yep. which is fucking nuts. So there's, like, essentially That's a like narrow... The guy... That's like the guy that lives in the middle of the M62. Yeah, he refused to move. Yep. You can do... There's, like, protocols and rules, actually, for that now, like, when airports are built. Like, they have the airport nowadays, they have to, like, own a certain section of land, like, beyond the runway. I forgot Mm. what the actual distance is, but there's, like, now a spec for it. And if you don't have that, then you can't have your runway. There we go. I've always thought it's relatively interesting. It's one of those things you wouldn't think about. But it's like a rule. Sandwiches and airports. There's your preamble, Tim. I keep thinking. <laughs> about, I keep thinking about you describing passengers as filling on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> Do either one of y'all watch uh, CPG Gray by any chance? CPG Gray. Never heard of it. He does like these. Like once a month, he has a video come out, and he does like these really good explanation videos. And he has one on uh, airports and like. What would make air like look, getting onto an airplane that's so much faster? And the right. fact that like you know like we board in groups nowadays, you know they're like group one, group two, whatever. It's like it used to be everybody just boarded at random, but actually boarding at random is faster than doing the group <laughs> when you work the math out. It's yeah, it's been a long it, time since <laughs> I've flown, to be honest. Yeah, I, it's been a couple of years. I, I uh, Tim knows this. I flew during the pandemic. That was a really interesting experience. Private jet? No. I took a Is vacation. that not how it felt? It kind of. Like, I had a whole row to myself. All my flights, I had the exit row on the plane by myself. That was, like, the greatest flying experience I've ever had. <laughs> I was talking to someone we... at work about this the other day. Joey, you'll remember this. Were we going to New York or Canada or no, somewhere? Canada. We were going to Canada and um, we got to, because we were flying in, we flew through from Heathrow to Paris and then into New York, I think. Um, oh, yeah, I think, are you talking about where the people got off and we basically had the plane to ourselves? No, but that is a good story where we had the entire plane to ourselves. It's yeah, the one where... It's the one where we got there and they were like, oh, your flight out of France is overbooked. Um, take this. And they gave us a handwritten note. So they were like, give this to the people at the British Airways desk in Paris. They'll know what to do. And we gave it to them and we were like, we were told to give you this. And they're like, oh, yeah, economy's booked out. You're going business class. Like, All right. Sick. Oh, nice. Yeah. That was phenomenal. That was that was from Paris to San Diego. Oh, was San Diego, was it? Yeah. Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah. I uh, I forgot what Tim. I think it was the first year I actually met you in Austin. Hmm. I had booked myself like business class. Okay, yeah. For that flight, and I, I didn't know that came with like free alcohol for the flight. Yeah, I love I, I, um, I, I, though. Uh, this is a transatlantic. This is like a two and a half hour flight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I showed up like shit faced to our Airbnb. 
Every was it single like... time I've flown through Houston, I've had a cursed experience. Oh, that's like, true. That's every true. time I fly through Houston, it's bad. And it's nothing to do with like the infrastructure of the airport or the plane or whatever. It's just something goes wrong. So like when I moved to Austin, I got held up for eight hours in immigration because they looked at the wrong page for my visa. So I had to sit in a line for eight hours while they put my passport on the desk eventually and were like, where's your visa? And I turned the page and was like, there. And they looked at it and they gave it me and was like, have a nice day. So, all right, great, nice. moving on. Um, the last time I flew through Houston, there was a storm coming in from Florida and delayed the flight by, what was it, six hours late? Yeah, yeah. Um, you, were you arrived super late. Too. I arrived super late and I hadn't slept in about two days. Um, and so I was incredibly sleep deprived and wanting to just be in Austin. And um, the flight desk were like, we're really sorry. Here's a voucher for Wendy's. And was like, okay, when, when, like, can I use this in Austin? I was like, no, you have to use it in the airport. I was like, oh, okay, great. So I ended up getting, like, all I could afford with this voucher, which was like five or six, bu five or six bucks, was a portion of fries and a milkshake while I waited for six hours for a flight. Nice. Slade, when you told me that you got all the free alcohol, have you seen It's Always Sunny with the Wade box? I don't like yeah, that they episode. Have to try, they have to try and drink like 50 cans of beer on a, on a short haul flight. There's... That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> no, I just, that that was a good flight. I I don't know. I guess like y'all, we can talk about it. That should be like a separate episode. Another bonus episode just talking about flying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Right. Should we crack on with A Link to the Past? Sure. Let's do it. All right. put spoiler warning on a game that was made in 1992. Yeah, you do. <laughs> it's it's so old now when you think about it. Still yeah. still younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so hi everybody. Uh, welcome to the episode of the podcast where we're going to discuss The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. My name is Slade. I'll be your host for this episode. I'm joined as always by Joey Fitzgerald. Hola. And Fitzgerald Timothy. What's the most important part of podcasts? <laughs> the sandwich or the filling? <laughs> I think it's our pre and post amble because everybody seems to like that a lot. All right, perfect. <laughs> so in that case, it actually would be the sandwich, the, the bread bit. There you go, perfect. Oh, I've been, I've been foiled. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just ruined that for Joey. Fuck's sake. Joey, um, you got a Copperberg as well. I do. What I think the one that Tim's drinking, I bought and he stole. Oh, <laughs> stole is a long word to you, or a strong word rather. No, stole is, is not fair. I took it to a thing we had at my mum's last week and he's drinking it now. I was expecting nearly a full box back, but I got three cans. <laughs> what if I'm uh, honest, I just, I just take what I'm given. Like someone will just put it in a bag and be like, there you go. I'm like, All right, like bye. a raccoon, basically. What, uh, yeah, yeah. What flavour is it? Uh, uh, strawberry and lime. Strawberry and lime. Okay. Very manly. There, there's one place here in town I have found that sells Copperberg, and I, I quite like a Copperberg. I hate the idea that it's... a drink can be girly or manly. Like, I'm sorry I like my beer to taste nice. Like, fuck me for liking it. <laughs> yeah. Now, and I, you know what the people I really can't stand are those who are like, oh, this is a double IPA with 
you know, and they go through and describe everything about it. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I think if, if it's like, if it's your passion and you're into it, then I get it. But it's well, I, I've said the same thing about the Dark Souls people. When you hit the pretentious scale of it, do you think there's a I reference tool for alcohol called Whiskeypedia? Is there a what now, Tim? Do you think there's an alcohol reference tool called Whiskeypedia? <sighs> I see Joey <laughs> go into Google. Um, so while Joey there, Google's there that, is actually there is oh, perfect great minds. <laughs> While Joey Googles that, uh, we're going to talk about The Legend of Zelda, obviously developed by uh, Sega. It's a joke. It's made by Nintendo because uh, <laughs> it was released in Japan in 1991, and it was released to the North Americans and the Europeans in 1992. Yeah, it's 29 uh, this year. It came out on the uh, Super Nintendo Entertainment System, or SNES, Uh Game Boy Advance, Nintendo Switch, Wii, Wii U, and the God, I, I hate the way Nintendo names consoles. The new Nintendo 3DS, featuring <laughs> featuring Funky Kong and Dante from Devil May Cry. <laughs> Devil May Cry. I, I hate the way Nintendo names their consoles with the yeah. fucking passion. It's all like I do. I would put money that at some point at Nintendo there was a board meeting where they discussed having uh, a second eye. In the Nintendo Switch, the Switch. <laughs> I I would argue that we were very close to having a Switch or the Switchy. <laughs> I I would argue that we were, but um, this is one of my favorite Zeldas. This is like the first one I completed on my own years ago. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people notice I've like a class uh, a collection of classic video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the first one I ever completed on my own. I love this one. I have a soft spot for the 2D Zeldas, uh, which brought up in the last episode. And really, I mean, it's we can start with the story if y'all want to. Sure. I was going to ask, before we move on to the story, are we doing mm-hmm. a question or not? Oh, yeah. yes, we are doing it. Why do I always forget the question? I, no, do have a, I, I do have a question. I'll answer it first to give you both time to think. I feel like you might okay. need a little bit of time. What's a game that you thought you were going to hate, but now it's like in your favorites list? Okay, I got one. You got one already? I mean, if you got one already, we can go ahead and start with Tim. I feel like Joey looks like he needs a minute to think about it. I thought I was really not going to like Spec Ops The Line. Okay. And it turned into one of my favorite story games. Oh, it's, it's Spec Ops The Line is fucking fantastic. It's phenomenal. Like, it plays like any other, like, you know, over the over the shoulder shooter, but the story in it and the guilt it makes you feel is so well written. It's I it's, think it's great. I've I've always said any game that actually makes you feel an emotion has to go up on a pedestal. Because well, like, the well, the get, thing is the thing is with Spec Ops. I when I got when I got to the bit, and you'll know what I mean by the bit well, if I'll you played you. it. Let's not to... spoil it in case we about do say, it, because you... I would like to do it on the, the podcast. Oh, have you not played it, Joey? I've, I've, yeah, I have, but I would like okay. to do it on the pod, and okay. we can save the spoiler for them. Sure. Okay. I'm just going to say that it's one of the only games that I can think of that made me put down my controller and actually question what I was doing. Yep. It's I, I 100% get things. that. I, I remember I beat the game in one sitting. It's not very long, and I no. would highly recommend it to somebody, but I've... I've often argued that any game that makes you feel an emotion has to be put up on a pedestal of the greats. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I would say Rainbow Six is a really good game, 
but it does not belong on that pedestal of the greats whatsoever. Joey, have you thought of a game? Give me two more minutes. All right. right. I'll go ahead. And uh, it's actually because of Tim, uh, I have my love for Persona 5. That's true. Anybody who knows me well enough would know that JRPGs are just like not in my flavor. They're not a game I would ever say I liked, essentially. Never had a good time with one. You like Persona. You've never mentioned it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, I think you're talking about the person games. I hate both of you. (laughs) I hate both Um, of you. But yeah, the the Persona series. I I didn't think I was going to like it. And then when I got through the first dungeon, I I think, Tim, I sent you a message. And I was like, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, the reason I picked it up was because when I was playing Smash Brothers, I have a thing where I'd like to play each, like at least one game from each character's original series. So I can understand, you know, where the influence for the character came from, what translates to what. And then Joker got announced for Persona, for Smash rather. And I was like, right, I guess I'm trying Persona 5 then. And I fell in love with it. I was, I, I kept saying to Slade, like, I know you don't like JRPGs. Just try it. Just like, try it. And like eventually to... you did. Yeah. And like, I tried to play the original Final Fantasy VII, and I just like could not get into it whatsoever. See, I love FF7, but I like I like an RPG. Right. Joey, have you thought of your game yet? I have, and I'm so pleased you mentioned Final Fantasy VII because I played, I don't think it was seven, Tim. I think we rented eight as children. Six or eight, it was one of them. I remember calling the one of the characters Guano. That's which, the Dark Mage um, from Final Fantasy VI, yeah. Yeah, so we rented was it six. Nine? And, it might be nine. And, well, it, was, it was one of them, but it was fine. Um, and then... On the PlayStation 2, we got Final Fantasy X. Nine, it was. Final Fantasy X is up there with one of my favorite games. It's hammy, it's ridiculous, but my God, some of the stuff in that game is so cool. Some of the cutscenes in it, some of the the battles that you have, and Blitzball is so fun. I, I am up there, and I'm with you, Slade. I'm not a big fan of JRPGs like... Um, on the whole, there are some that I enjoy, but Final Fantasy X sticks with me as one of my favorite games. Do you know it's the first Final Fantasy with voice acting? Uh, I did. There you go. And I... with some of the voice acting, they probably should have left it. Yeah, like the Tidus laugh. The Tidus laugh is the one. I'm... I'm... <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, have you not? Have you not seen the Tidus laugh? No, I'll no, find no. it for you and I'll send it to you. Yeah, you like, there, like oh, you need to stand there. You need to look at life in the face and laugh sometimes. And Tida stands there on a big rock, hands on hips, and like pulls out his best Kermit just... the Frog impression. The weirdest fucking I, thing. Like to give you an example, my. I guess dislike of JRPGs normally is I played like Final Fantasy 15 when it came out. I got a free copy of it. That's at launch, not a JRPG, which is it's Final Fantasy account. Yeah, but it's not a JRPG. I hate it of... for 15. I, I like 15 it. a lot. I've, the only, I've got a the only thing I remember about Final Fantasy 15 is going on a road trip with the boys. <laughs> and Beautiful boy cooking, adventures, Jim Sterling cooking, called it. And cooking food. So that's um, that's all I remember. I really like 15 to the point that on my wall over here, 
I have a framed map of Lucis, which is the 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 world you play in. So I've got a, I've got a full on framed and noted map of the whole area. Are you looking yeah, at the Titus I, I... half? <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll put it in. I'll that's put awful. it in. That's fucking that's terrible. The, but that's the standard of voice acting in Final <laughs> Fantasy X. Um, but yeah, I just I could terrible. Couldn't get on board with a not turn based Final Fantasy game. It's tricky. I mean, there's there's games like Final Fantasy Tactics that play closer to things like Fire Emblem. Um, so, if y'all don't mind, I'm gonna steer us back into Zelda. Sure. Um. So I guess we can start on the story, if that's okay with you, too. By all means. Really, I mean, it's it's Zelda. We all kind of know the deal that you're gonna do is we're gonna go explore some dungeons. We're gonna go explore some. Uh, well, the world essentially, and it was really the first time Zelda felt like it to me, at least. It had like an alive world because mm-hmm. you have the town, you have NPCs you can talk to. It's very dialogue heavy at times, which is slightly annoying. Um, and the, one of the big things to me it introduced was the difference between the uh, the light world and the dark world, and their side quests that affect the way the two worlds interact with each other, which we can get into later. But other than that, we, we know what we're here to do. We're here to save the princess. Let's throw, it yep. there. <laughs> throw it to there. I, you know, when you have to describe like the story of a Zelda game, it's really difficult when you think about it. Because really, at the end of the day, it's save the princess, but I have to go through all this convoluted shit in the middle. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's <laughs> the most important fair. part of a Zelda game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's just like an RPG thing. It's like, all right, I have to do this one thing. But let me dick around for the next ten hours oh, yeah. before doing the one thing I need to do. Okay, um, if y'all don't mind, we're gonna go ahead and get started with uh, I guess thoughts. I'm gonna go to Tim first because so, Tim, this is your first time playing, or I think it's both y'all's first time playing. Yeah. So it's the first time I've beaten a Link to the Past. I've, okay. I've played it before, but never beaten it. Um, I really like this game. I think it's pretty fucking cool. The soundtrack is fun. You know, again, Kakariko Village, like I referenced in the Ocarina of Time episode. Massive banger. Um, I think some of the puzzles as well, for what they are, are really cleverly designed. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of made it a point. I know we talked about, like, there's no shame in using a guide in a Zelda right. game. When it came to the puzzles, I didn't want to use a guide. I was like, right, I'm actually going to use my fucking noodle and work on this. <laughs> and I, I, had, I had a good time with it. There's... um. There's some really standout moments for me, like, uh, for example, when you're going to get the, um, when you're working your way through the sand temple in the light world, yes. the desert temple, and I don't know why, but it was so cool to be like, oh, I'm going outside for this puzzle. That's really cool. Like, that's not something you'd often see in a Zelda game. Right. And that's, I don't know, just something about that really clicked with me. I thought the combat was interesting. Obviously, Link is famously left-handed. Mm-hmm. Um so the whole thing where like your sword swipes covered like a, a 90 degree angle in front of you, but no more. So I found myself being super aware of positioning while playing this, which is not something I ever really got from Ocarina of Time or Breath of the Wild, because obviously Breath of the Wild, you've got overhead swings, you've got 180 swings, you've got 360 swings. Like same with Ocarina of Time. This is like you get a quarter swing and if you char- if you have magic, you can do a full swing. Yep. 360. Other than that, work it out. Technically, you don't need magic to do the full swing. You can just... You can, but it's nowhere near it as effective. Right. You know, I just found myself super aware of positioning in this one and almost almost treating it more like 
combat with the puzzle on the side in a lot of cases in this game. And I thought that was really interesting. Right. Those are my immediate thoughts. Nice. Joey? Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think after the conversation we had about Ocarina of Time, I think this game aged really well. Mm -hmm. I think the pixel art style was vibrant and it was really nice to look at. And I think the world, while not huge, was really well designed and nicely put together. And like you said, the light and dark element added something different. And it felt like essentially you had two worlds to explore, um, which was really clever. Um, I have to say, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a bit, when it comes to the sword fighting, I struggled so much with that because of... Yeah, yeah, because of the 90-degree angle, because of how I'm used to playing combat, I was attacking people and just missing with the sword, and they would hit me on the corner where the sword wasn't... And and that isn't a fault of the game. That's a fault of mine. Um, But it it did make it more challenging. I think the thing that I really enjoyed was you obviously were meant to explore a lot of the island you're on or the map very early. And then once you had, they were like, okay, well, here's some quick running shoes so you could just blast through the whole thing. And I found that when I got the Pegasus shoes, I was pressing A on one side of it and darting through and getting to where I want to really quickly. And it made like what could have been quite an arduous journey, as we discussed with Hyrule Field in ocarina of time like a really quick and easy thing to do i think that there are downsides to this game but i think on the whole it's it's really good and the boss fights in it i think some of them are brilliant some of them not so much but i had a really good time with it and the tools were used well that you find in the dungeons yeah i think i think it just it aged very well i could see this being released in like 2020 2021 as a good pixel art game, and a lot of like, yeah, exactly, and a lot of like two D. Um, I I don't really have a better way to describe this two D style than isometric. Yeah, yeah, because of the way the cameras placed, and you can still see that today. Like a lot of three D or not three D, but two D isometric games that are made have like that style and that design of exploration, which mm-hmm. almost feels Castlevania, e to me in a way. Yeah. Because like you're obviously going to do some this. detail on that one for me because I'm not quite seeing that connection. The only reason I say that is because like the map is open for exploration the whole time, but there's like a set way to do it. Right. Okay. If I think you, I see you, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense because like at any time, I mean, you could walk off to wherever you wanted to, but your progression well, path well, will be blocked by you know you don't have a you know you don't have this or you don't have that. For Does example, that in this in this after I got the first. Um, Thing from the first dungeon and I knew that the Master Sword was in the forest. As someone who's played Zelda, I thought, I want to get the Master Sword and I ran to the Master Sword got there and it went oh, you can't get this just now. So you could explore that straight away but you can't obtain it because you need to right. do X, Y and Z before. That's that's what I mean. It's got the castlevania like exploration thing down, if that makes sense. So that kind of ties into an overall theme with Zelda for me in that it's almost got a Metroidvania aspect to it. Oh yeah, definitely. So like, it's in, what's really cool. Again, I'm going to reference speedrunning here as I'm wont to do. Um, there's a really cool speedrun in AG, AGDQ 2019 or 2020 called the Link to the Past um, Metroid, Metroid Prime 
Metroid, yeah. um, Super Metroid Randomizer, sorry, where because these games are so heavily rooted in the Metroidvania genre, they were able to have like these two games merge so you could find Zelda items in Metroid and Metroid items in Zelda. And so these two players were passing the controller back and forth, finding items for each other while playing their own respective game and running their own game. Really fucking cool idea. But it makes... There's... Like, I could praise this game for a lot of things. Enemy design would be one of them. But one of the things I think is great, and it offers... It really encourages you to explore, right? And look at side quests in a way Mm -hmm. that I think Ocarina didn't. If y'all can't Mm -hmm. tell, by the way, we should say for clarity, we played... (laughs) All these back-to-back, I mean, Breath of the Wild, Ocarina, and uh, Light the Fest. So we've progressively gone down, you know, release list. I, that's the way I would, you know, approach it. Sure. Um, but the way this one, like Breath of the Wild, it encourages exploration. Because there's some bosses, I mean, you don't get the item to defeat them in that dungeon. You have to get it from somewhere else. Or it might be from a dungeon, you know, Several two before ago. it. Yeah, yeah, several dungeons ago, you got it, and now you can actually go and fight the boss. Mm-hmm. I think, to me, that's one of the things that does extremely well, is encouraging, and like Joey pointed out, with giving you the Pegasus boots, so you can run and explore the map faster. It very, very much encourages that. Well, they give you those real early, like pretty yeah. much the first time you visit Kakariko. It's yeah. just like, hey, you made it over to the next town, here's how you can get around much quicker. Joey, did you, because I don't know if you're aware of this, you might be, and I don't know if this is an ocarina or not, because I, I should have tried it, but um, did you ever hit a chicken? Yeah, oh, no, the there's a whole thing with Zelda. It's, uh, okay. You can't <laughs> you can't attack the chickens without expecting to die. I didn't do it in this game because I know what happens. Okay, mm. it's, it's a little funny in 2D to see the chickens coming from, like, all angles off the screen and whatnot. It's It's really silly to see. I didn't know if you'd tried it or any. That's one of the first no, things I, I might I hate, do now. I hate to say it, but I do that in Zelda games when I see a chicken. I'm like, all right, how have they done it this time? <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny how they do in different ones. I have to say that for my for that Ocarina of Time is my favorite because they just fly in from the corners of the screen, like it's the top the same corners, here. and they just attack you. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the, the same, same like here. that, but you have like I guess a better view of right. it from where the camera's positioned. Yeah, no, it's it's. Zelda trope. It's good. So while we're talking about game design and whatnot, we should obviously, you know, Zelda's known for its bosses and its boss uh, designs. Uh, Tim, would you like to go first? Yeah, I mean, the one that immediately comes to mind in terms of good bosses in this game is Blind, the one in the Thieves' Dungeon in the Dark World. That's a really fun boss because of, like, the setup for it. The whole thing is that he hates sunlight, um, so he's basically a weeb. And he's... um, (laughs) He's, you know, the whole setup for it is you're, t- you're rescuing a girl out of a dungeon and there's this one room with just like a window of sunlight. And you're just like, that's a bit weird. Or maybe I'll come back to this later. So you come back there with the girl that you find in the dungeon. And it turns out that she is the boss and she turns into this into blind, this, um, this creature that's got like heads that fly around the room. And it's just one of these fights that really keeps you on your toes because like there's all sorts of shit going on on the screen. I know, it's just a, re- it's just a really cool fight. I like the setup for it. Nice. Uh, Joey? I really like the one, and I, I mean, I'm not as good as you guys as remembering the names. The one that's like a dinosaur wearing a mask that you have to hit the hammer that on its face. That is King. Yep. Yeah, that one. That was a 
I have I have them all pulled up. I have them pulled up. On Thank God for that. <laughs> um, that was a very, very cool boss fight in the fact that I think it was one of the earliest fights I can think in video games that almost had two phases. Um, and yeah. so it, it has this like stone mask that you have to hit with the hammer to break. Um, and all the while it's attacking you the whole time. And then when you break the mask, although the attacks don't really change, they do kind of get more, far more aggressive and far quicker. And I, I, I don't know. I just yeah. thought it was really cool. It was difficult. It was a really hard boss fight, actually. I died quite a lot to it. But it, it was a really good challenge um, at, at that point in the game. How about you, Slade? I, for me, it would be what most people know as the, uh, the sandworm or lead mollus. Yeah. Which is one, it dives underground and then it jumps over you, which is neat because we were talking about three accesses of um, perspective. Even in a 2D game, you have this. So you have what's the Z axis, which is why Z targeting has its name in Ocarina of Time. And it's the fact that when it jumps over you, you can swing your sword and it registers a hit. That's a which really I, cool one. Which is why I say bats are fucking annoying in Ocarina of Time, because now you have this extra plane you have to think of. When Versus I, this, where the worm the worm jumps over you, and all you have to do is like, okay, I need to swing my sword a few times. When you you when you said this, boss, I, I genuinely was surprised, because I thought it was the centipede boss, and it's not. So I hated the centipede boss, and... <laughs> I didn't hate it because of the boss itself. I hated it because of the arena it was in. And if you get yeah. knocked off, right? If if it knocked you out of the room, outside the room, lose half a health, like you do with every other boss in the game, I wouldn't mind it. But it throws you out halfway through the level, and you have to start the boss as if it's fresh. And yep. it makes sense from like a yep. world building aspect. But from a video game, it was very, very annoying. I will... No, no, I, I agree with that, though. It shouldn't come back with, like, full health, essentially. It should be where you left off. Yeah, it knocked you out of the room, and now you have to go back through everything. See, you refer to it as the centipede boss. I always... Like, it took me a minute to register what you were th talking about, because I always thought of it as, like, a hamburger. Uh, Mold Moldrum is the one Joe yeah. was talking about. That's the name of it. To me, it just looks name. like a string of hamburgers flying around an arena. Yeah. What's funny is I'm, I'm looking at all the bosses here on my other monitor, and I was like, which one is Joey talking about? Because I'm looking at the sandworm. I'm like... Yeah. I mean, just to go back to your point earlier about red, talking about things on the Z-axis, this has to be one of the earliest games where even when you're just navigating a dungeon, you see a bridge, and you're just like, right, i got to get up there somehow. And like you pass under it, and you're just like, right, I've got to get up there. Or you might even be on the bridge and be like, right, how do I get down there? Right, you you have like it's very easy to navigate and understand like what plane yeah. something is on. Like you know, if you know an enemy's below you, I don't have to fucking worry about him. He's down there. I'm yeah. up here. I think it's one of the first game. I don't know. But it's the first one I can think of with like three access. Certainly in this kind of era, because th this game wasn't a launch title yeah. for the SNES, right? Uh, good question. While you're looking at, can Googling. I just say my other the other boss I really hated was, um, and I've just looked up the name so it's less confusing, uh, is Mothula. Mothula's a pain. Mothula. Because the arena is terrible again. 
the I like the arenas in some regard because it adds an extra challenge and an extra thing you're having to pay attention to and watch. But yeah. I felt like with with I get, with I, Mothula, I, I I understand what you're saying, but it was so random that I didn't feel like you could like plan your attack properly because it sticks right. so close to the corners and and for those listening the the walls are surrounded by like spiky ball things and hmm. they come and they fly at you from the edges and Mothula is a moth boss obviously right. but i found it might have been my playthrough Mothula stuck very close to the walls now if Mothula was in the middle that would be much easier but it left me with so little time to react that i just felt it was artificial difficulty right None. I get that. Uh, Tim, do you have a least favorite boss on this list? Because Joey's touched on the ones yeah. he doesn't like. I think, I mean, the name came up earlier, but it's the um, the hamburger centipede. I'd have to agree. Like, the fight itself isn't bad. It's a really easy concept to understand. Just hit the tail. That's all you've got to do. But it's the fact that, like, if it not, like, if you get hit once by it, you're going back to the start of the dungeon. Like, there's no two yeah. ways about it. And I think um, I think it should be said that the majority of the bosses in this game are very, very good. Yeah. Very inventive and really cool to fight and to look at. I think inventive is a really good term for it, if you especially consider like the limitations of the time and the limitations of the cart. Yep. I, I This is going to sound really dumb, but it's the uh, Armaros Knights. Yes. Okay. Which are the knights that just you know, the bounce six, around. The six of them, right? And the, right. And the reason I think they're a pain is because you'll be focused on one, like trying to attack it, and then one bounces up against you. I'd... And it's so early in the game that you don't really have many hearts or anything. Right, but you've got an arrow that does a decent not- so... bit of knockback. Right, and then you can like offset their orbit. Yeah, But the thing that I, I would push back on that on Slade is exactly what I said about the moth boss fight. Those knights have a set mm-hmm. pattern. Like they they follow an order, so yes. you can learn that. Whereas the moth yes. with the spiky ball things was completely random. No, right, right. No, I, I get learning the pattern. What I'm saying is, when you're focused on one of them, yeah, and sure. you're not thinking about the other five, and then you know one bounces into you. Yeah, that's what I. That's that to me is because I get hyper focused on like I I like one to one combat, which is one of the reasons I like Dark Souls. Is because I love like one to one fighting. No, I like Dark Souls. I don't love Dark Souls. <laughs> I'm going to ask, what did you guys name Link this time around? Uh, my dude. My dude? Okay. Link. Link. <laughs> I went with the classic Sniffma. <laughs> <laughs> what I used to do when what I used to do whenever I played these uh, whenever I played these games, um, or any sort of game where you can name the character, is make it some sort of lineage under like the um, what I used to call the so powerful clan. So like, <laughs> that like there'd be a character like when I'd be playing Final Fantasy fourteen called like Scribbler or no so powerful, like that, that would be their name. <laughs> right. And um, just talking shit like that, but I've just taken a real liking to the whole sniff my balls clown. Ah, <laughs> uh, compared to like the other Zeldas, because you know obviously we've played a bunch of them, and we're looking at one of or you know we're looking at the second Zelda game to ever be released, and. What? Zelda 2 doesn't exist. Shut up. Um, how, what did you think of the Ganon fight in this game? It was fine. It was fine? 
I just, it, it it didn't blow me away. It was fine. I think I think, I think it's because I've seen it so many times on speedrunning things. Like right. I, it loses the impact. I think it was it was good. I think Ganon always confuses me a little bit because I'm never sure what he's meant to be. I don't know whether he's meant to be a man or a pig or what or a man yes. bear pig. Yeah, would be yes would be the answer to that. Uh, right. Tim, maybe you understand it a little better, but he's supposed to be just like what the embodiment of evil. Yeah, the amalgamation of evil. Well, that's and I don't know why in... that turns into a a pig. Yeah, that's what he is. That's in, never made sense. Breath of the Wild. I don't. Did right. did they say that in this game? Well, that's it's kind of implied. It's, it's I canon wonder... to the lore of the Zelda games. I wonder if there's some sort of cultural thing. As it's Nintendo are a very Japanese developer. Right. I wonder if there's some sort of cultural thing that we're just missing. That's like as a Western audience. Right. I don't know. I'd be interested in looking that up actually. Why don't you look that up? Actually, um I'll look it up. Okay. Joey, did you do any of the side quests in the game? Which was is gonna be my next question. Um probably. By side quests, to to give you an idea of what they are is like playing the flute for the monster kid or helping out the two gnomes in the forest. You didn't do it. Okay. No, I didn't, but, but I was very aware that they were there and I kept thinking I should do it. The reason I didn't is because I needed to finish the game for this recording. So I might okay. go back. That's and, fair. I might go back and do them. I, I saw the monster kid four or five times and I scared him off every single time. Yeah. No, if you, Play the. It's, I, I don't want to spoil it for you now because it's it's sad story wise, but it, it it'll help you out in the light world later. And then the, well, and he's actually related back to the gnomes. Right. So I, I like Jap- gnomes. Personally. Is it Japanese related? I'm still trying to find that out. Oh, what did you think of the? Because uh, Joey, this is your first time playing, you know, this old of a Zelda game. What did you think of the Zoras? And what I mean, would be Zora's domain? It's because essentially all they do is give you an upgrade to swim. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know whether I, I had this expectation that I don't think I expected them to have like a intricate storyline with the Zoras like we did in the other two Zelda games we played. I right. I think I, maybe I went in there with the mindset that this is on nineteen ninety two hardware. So it didn't surprise me that they didn't feature like heavily, right. um, but I, I thought that I don't know. I just I thought a lot of the like characters and NPCs and all of the design of enemies and NPCs I thought was really cool. I think it was really clever that they were really distinguishable as like the individual people that they were. If that makes sense, right? Because when you when you do pixel art, I think it's really easy to get like muddied characters that are like interchangeable. And I didn't feel that was the case with this game. It's, it surprised me how deep and intricate the NPCs were in this game, given the limitations, like they could have very easily foregone a lot of that complexity with the NPCs, but they didn't. And I appreciate it. I've also found out why Ganon is a pig. Okay. Yeah. It's because Miyamoto based uh, the legend of Zelda series on his adventures as a kid, finding caves and exploring and one time he found a boar in a cave and it scared him away. <laughs> like right. Pigs, pigs was, have got a it. bad rep. Yeah. 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 Tim, do you have, or I guess this could be for both y'all, do you have any generic enemy that 
you liked quite a bit? Because there's a lot of generic enemies walking around Hyrule. And the one I always come back to is the one that, um, I forgot the name of it, but it's like a little green blob. Yeah. Essentially. It's like a choo-choo. Yeah. 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 It's the choo-choos. And if you throw the uh, magic powder on it, Joey, you may not know this, but it turns into a really ugly hot dog. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. What? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, You can throw the magic powder on them and then they don't shock you once you do that. Nice. I thought the knights were cool. The knights knights had a nice design. I think for me, it's probably, was it the Octoroks were on land? Yes. Yeah. I like them. I don't know why. You have the scuttling uh, around. I don't know if you're focusing or not, but one of the things Joey and I were talking about were the Zora people. Yes, sorry, I, w- and, I was probably looking up Ganon at this point. Yeah, you were. And um, I don't know if y'all noticed, but it was also the Zoros who were like chucking rocks at you from the water. Yeah, as opposed to walk. I don't. Rocks. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah, those are Zoras, not. But the, I, I uh, did think that the Zoras in this that they're, they're far more monstery looking than they are in any of the other games. They. Yeah, it's a well, funny this is the first funny game with direction. Zoras. Oh, is it? Hmm. No, no. I thought it was. No. Well, there's two monster designs in the first Zelda game for like enemies in water, and you know they say one of them is Zora, the other one's Octoroks. Oh, I thought I thought this was the first Zora incident. No, uh, incident. no, it's 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 all the way back to the first Zelda game. Oh, okay, fair enough. I'm a double check myself. I'm a fact check myself on that. Joey, favorite tool in Zelda's kit in this in this one? You, you're my favorite tool. I get that a lot. <laughs> well, I know it's I know it's like I mentioned the hammer for the um, the mask smashing of the, my favorite boss. That was cool. I also quite like the magic powder because I know that it set fire to things. That was fun. Yeah. I'd How about you, Tim? I feel probably the hammer, but for one reason. You know, you know, like the fence post pegs in the dark world that you have to that you have to smash with the hammer. Yeah, that looks really satisfying to do. <laughs> I I enjoyed the and the the Zora name is spelled different, by the way, apparently. Oh, but essentially, fish creature. Sure. Um, Tim, what was your favorite tool? I'm sorry, I was googling the, the hammer, the hammer, and Joey. The, well, I said the hammer or the magic powder. The magic powder is a lot of fun. I was trying to think of what my favorite tool would be in Link's Arsenal. Maybe Pegasus boots? Oh, the Pegasus, Pegasus boots are so fucking nice. They were useful more than my favorite. I definitely yeah. got the most use out of the Pegasus boots. Yeah. it's This is really dumb, but did you um, did you ever, when you, you know, you had an ocarina essentially in this game, right? Mm-hmm. And did you ever, whenever you summoned the, uh, the bird, the fast travel... Did you try to run away from it? Yeah. No. No, what happened? <laughs> it just chases you, essentially. It just travels yeah. across screen. Or, or so instead of, like, running away from it, you could just, like, move down a few pixels, and it'll miss you. I really, oh, really? Like It was cute. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, nice. it's, it's a really stupid, it's a really stupid thing, but it's, like, yeah. just a nice little detail, I guess. Yeah, I think, I think that that is, like, this game was full of nice little details like there was loads it's a lot of thought gone into it obviously yeah and like i feel like that should be the standard for video games but here i think it shows in almost not not to the same level of complexity but 
um, in the same way of Breath of the Wild, I feel like there's loads of little things that you can miss. And I think, no, 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 Joe, you're right though. But I think like, as we're, I was talking in the last episode about Ocarina being like the first time, you know, it's all wishy wishy with the graphics showing, you know, what 3D was doing now. The difference is, I think, Link to the Past, even though it's still on this 2D plane, mm-hmm. was like, here's what we can do now with this technology. We can actually tell you a story. We can actually give you objectives. You can interact with people. It's it's like, if you look at Zelda, you can see those steps progressively as mm. technology also progresses. Yeah. Progressives? Yeah. Progresses. progresses, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree completely. For sure. Um, do you know who I hated in this was, you know, the guy in the Lost Woods, and I don't like, he just comes out of nowhere. I was trying to get the Master Sword and some guy came across and just stole all my bombs like five times. Oh, the thief. Yeah. Yes. What a dickhead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's his whole purpose is to be a dickhead. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent the purpose. There's a for few. Him to be a dick. There's a few character interactions that I really like in this game. Like, there's one house in the south of Kakariko Village where this guy's like, "I'm arguing with my brother," and then like you blow up one wall of his house, and it turns out like the older brother has sealed the younger brother into a different <laughs> side of the house, and it's just like, "Oh, is he done yelling now? Can I come out?" <laughs> like, like that that's kind quite of thing. Dark. Or, like, it is. It dark, is. It's really. really it's really dark. Um. <laughs> I like the fact that um, with the way the soldiers, I don't know if y'all picked this up in the story in the lore, but the soldiers have essentially been possessed yeah. by Ganon. Yeah. So when you think about it, you're kind of murdering innocent people who've just been possessed. Nintendo has a weird habit of that. Like in the original Super Mario Bros, they confirm that the, that the residents of the Mushroom Kingdom were turned into bricks. And what does Mario do all day is break bricks. Like, they have a weird habit of doing that for some reason. <laughs> I feel like he just broke Joey's child. <laughs> yeah. Because they also go. say, Mar- they're like, Mario is our hero. Maybe. There's like a question mark at the end of it. Yeah. I'm going to go and cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like that you go to Kakarika Village, which is the, you know, your first step, obviously, in this game. Yeah. And, um... Because of people being possessed, I think it's a nice little detail of some of the people who are like, guards, it's him, he's here, yeah. get him. But then there's I, a nice I think old that's woman such a, who's like, yeah, yeah, I, know you're, I know you're not a bastard, Link. It's like, all right, yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just think that's such a nice little detail, you know? Yeah. Of like, I guess world building and setting up what you're going through and what you're doing. What is it the kid with the bug net wants? Because he's just like... I'm sick and can't go out and catch bugs. Have a net. So, all right, thank you. You, okay, so I, <laughs> if you take him a ferry, he gets better. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. If you take him a ferry, he gets better. That's like a little subplot. And then, like in the end credits, you know how it's like showing you everything. Mm. He's like out there with his grandparents, and he's like waving his net. That's cute. Yeah. There's also like it's it's a, it's a neat little detail. There's the guy in the mountain as well who's just like, what? he's part of the thief's clan, and he's just like, ah, shit, I've been found. You can have this stuff if you don't tell people where my hideout is. (laughs) Like, that's kind of cool. There's a lot of little things, I think, in this Zelda, which is why this is one of my favorites as well. I really like it. I don't, and even, like, playing it, you know, I don't think it's nostalgia saying that it's good. 
Because think, do you, well, no, you disagree with that? I, no, I don't disagree. I've never played it, and I thought it was really good. Yeah, I'm the same. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Joey, what does Jenny think of this game? Thank you for reminding me. So, Jenny described <laughs> this one as the one that's basically Pokemon. So I don't think Jenny saw past the art style. <laughs> <laughs> Phenomenal. Uh, I always appreciate Jenny's uh Jenny's input. <laughs> right, shall we get to ratings and scores? We can. We can. Um who went first last time? T- Tim. Okay. So Joey, go ahead. What's your what's your score? What are your thoughts? What do you know? What do you say? What do you hear? What do I know? How's your hammer hanging? Very little. How's my hammer hanging? Uh, disappointingly, and to the left. Um, it's, uh... <laughs> That's a liar, liar joke. <laughs> yeah, it is a liar, liar joke. Um, I think this game what? was. No, it's not. It is. It is. That's an yeah. old Carlin bit from like the seventies. No, it's in Liar Liar. Well, use it in Liar Liar. That's where I know it from. It's, it's okay. Yeah. It's a Carlin bit from the seventies because he's. How, how do you greet? To spoil the joke, it's how do you greet people? What do you say? You know, he says, how, "How's your hammer hanging?" That's only for the men, unless you meet a female carpenter. Well, no, like oh, no, no, he says, "How's, how's it, it hanging? hanging?" And he's he like, says, "Short, shriveled, and slightly to the left." Yeah. <laughs> It's a um, dick joke, obvious. Yeah. No. <laughs> but he, he says, he's like, one day I hope to get to ask the Pope this, but I'm going to say, hello, thine holiness, how, how hangeth the hammer? Nice. <laughs> um, um, so, you were saying, Joey. Going back to it, I think this game, if it was released now, would be praised as like pioneering, which is ironic because it's so, like, so old. <laughs> I think. If this was released on modern consoles, it the pixel style holds up, the gameplay holds up. It's just a clever, fun game. And it didn't take forever to be. It took surprisingly took me longer than Ocarina of Time. Yep, same. Um, there, there's a lot to look through. I I don't I, there's yeah. a, it's 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 dense, is this game. And I think I'm obviously recommending it, and I'm gonna give it I think eight and a half. I think that Ow. is, uh, I actually think that's quite harsh, but I think what uh, I struggled with was what you were talking about earlier with all of the um, the items that you use and the way that you use them. I struggled quite a lot. I struggled a lot with the combat, and I think that my experience was maybe hampered by my expectation of other games and other Zelda games. So eight and a half, but with a strong caveat that it is very much recommended. Cool. All right. Awesome. Tim? I I, I really like this experience. I Like I say, it's the first time I've ever actually beaten the game. I, I tried it a number of times and just other things came up. I'm really glad I sat down and actually took the time to, to go through this one because I think it's important to understand because what we've done here is we've taken a look at like the three biggest steps in Zelda history, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, And it was really interesting to see where this step was taken and where it was going. I'm going to bring that up later, Tim. What's that? Post post rating. I was going to talk about that. That was going to be my. Yeah. Um, (laughs) With that said, I am going to give this a nine out of 10 and I would highly recommend it. All right. And to Echo's. 
Echo Tim, obviously I recommend this one because, as I said, I, I love the 2D Zeldas. I think, I don't know what it is about those particular, but they just seem to get back to form factor of what Zelda should be about exploration and just combat in its purest form as far as the games are concerned. But yeah, I give it a, a 9 out of 10. Cool. Would highly recommend it. Just to go back on your point, Joe, with how well this is aged, I think a lot of that is to do with the art style, as we've said. I agree. Because if you because if you look at games like The Wind Waker, for example, that game is timeless because of its stylization. Like, that thing yep. is never going to age. Yeah, and Ocarina looks like some milk that you left on the counter for a month. It's just I mean, polygon age, isn't it? It's yeah, there's, there's not really like Ocarina. And, there's not and, really and, solid art direction for that game, whereas this is a quite clear theme. It's funny to look at though with Ocarina because obviously they were trying to show off the graphics. Yeah, yeah. And then you're looking, you're looking at it now, and you're like, I can count the textures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can count them. But now, now that we've ended this uh, Zelda lineage or big Zelda trilogy here, the Triforce. Yeah, we literally have done that. Has your opinion changed from uh, what you would consider, like, you know, greatest Zeldas, what you consider to be a Zelda game? And, like, because we've had to play these all back to back, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to say this right now. I'm not touching another Zelda game for, like, a year. I'm zelda out. You know? What's your opinion on the franchise and the series now? Now that we've ended it, I think it's a it's obviously a great, great, great franchise. I think what, if you look at Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time, Breath of the Wild, they are three very, very, very different games. Like, yeah. I would say they are poles apart. I think I don't know that it has changed my opinion. I obviously scored Ocarina of Time the lowest of the three by some margin, but to me. Right. That step because I think because it's the first one I played, the first Zelda I owned and played to death. To me, that's the epitome of what Zelda should be, and I'm sure for you, Slade, Link to the Past may well be that epitome of what Zelda should be. And Tim, you've put I think you said 500 hours into Breath of the Wild. For you, that's what Zelda should be. And I think the beauty of the Zelda franchise is that. It's spanned across so much in video games that the first one you play and the first one you fall in love with, that's what Zelda should be. That's fair. Just because each one is so, so different, everyone takes away a different experience. I get where Joey's coming from, but I think Zelda at its core is about, and Breath of the Wild and Link to the Past do this, and like Ocarina of Time doesn't, is... Showing up in the world, being given your you know, your main quest about what you need to do, and have the open world to explore and enjoy. Because if you and we've talked about this in our Ocarina episode, is that it's very convoluted about how you can access certain places. Y'all gave you know uh, Java Java's uh, dungeon. It's like you can't even go to Death Mountain until you give a dude a piece of paper signed by Zelda. Right, um, but that's kind right? of that's kind of. The, it's, like, it's 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 story i hate to interrupt him but it's like just story to block progression is what that feels like to me but that to me kind of coincides with the metroidvania genre yeah like I... in metroid you can't for example it, in the first game in in the first metroid you get the missiles um or the is it the morph ball or the missiles early one of the two either way you cannot progress oh. without getting that 
why, what's the difference here? I, I actually don't agree, Slade, that that isn't in this. So, for example, like to enter the second dungeon or the, the sand dungeon in Link to the Past, you need to find that book to translate the thing. Right. And I almost think that's the same as presenting a signed letter from the princess. You have to do point no, A to get to point B. Yeah, no, that's uh, those kind of arguments I think are fair. But what what I'm trying to get to is that I'm saying like the world being fully explorable. But again, though, not that's... so much. I get I get the dungeon being locked, right? Right, but, but I'm again, the fact that y- you can go from start and you could just like wander and find the master sword. I mean, obviously you can't get it because you haven't you know done what you need to do to obtain it. But you can go anywhere in the world and you can go ahead and explore the whole map and have an idea of where you're going. I would have to respectfully disagree in the okay. fact that I do think with Ocarina of Time, pretty much the whole world is explorable in some means or another. You know, granted there's going to be points of progression to be locked off, but that's no different to playing Super Metroid or Castlevania or Hollow Knight. Right. You know, there's, there's, there's progression checkpoints to make sure you don't get too over your head. Right. I get that. No, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I'm not like I'm. I'm not going to dismiss your opinion. Obviously, that's your opinion of it. It's just that I'm respectfully disagreeing with it. Right. No, no, no. I think we're just looking at it from two different angles. If sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Because because I get what you mean that like the majority of like so take back again. We're going to go to the Java Java's palace. <laughs> that you can't even go to it until you have the uh, the scales. To get underwater, right? Right. And you kind of have that link to the past in a way. I get it. But it's still like the whole map is open to you and you just kind of have a blip of like, you're, you know, your objective's here, but you can go anywhere else in the world that you would like to. But you can also do that in Breath of the Wild. Like you can't explore That's, like Far Meadow without getting the bomb arrows and doing that minigame first. Right. No, no, no. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And that's also a dungeon. Yeah. I think I think what there is, there's a lot to unpack in here. Like, and I think there's a lot to the Zelda series, more than certainly than it seems on the surface. Right. Yeah. Gentlemen, shall we pin down our next game for the for two weeks' time? I'm gonna hijack this section now, Tim. Well, well worded. Well worded. Um, <laughs> and um, the reason Tim says well worded um, I am going to take a short break from the podcast my child is due in the next sort of two weeks but before then I'd really like to invite my friend and you're, you guys know him now too um, Jack to the podcast Um as our first ever guest of the club. Um, so next time I'm here for this. Ah, fuck him. Uh, next fine. time we're going to be joined by Jack and we are going to be playing near automata. There and it is. you know what? Here's the thing though. I'm already taking three points off near. Well, I'm let's not talk about that. He's going right. to fucking no, kick you, off. You, you, you know why I'm taking three points off, Jack? Because I know he's going to listen to this before. I, here, Jack, here's why I'm taking three points off. is because you said Resident Evil 4 is amazing. So I'm deducting three points. I'd like to just, while on that <laughs> note, um, while we're going back to it, I've just had a brainwave that I actually think Link to the Past is shit and I'm giving it a one. 
So, <laughs> um, all right, cool. Well, I'm, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna manipulate all that audio to make it say make it so it sounds like Sully's saying I think Resident Evil Four is amazing. Yes. Uh, no. And I'm gonna Joey, send it to Joey, so it'll be his text tone. Oh, that's true. I think the Resident Evil Four is amazing. Yeah, I give it a uh, nine out of ten. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? Perfect. No, 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 it's fine. I fixed it. All right, perfect. Right, that's fine. Um, right, we'll see you all in two weeks for Near Automata. Thanks right. for joining the club. Thank you, everybody. Toodles. Joey, where can they find us on the Twitter? Oh, uh, Game Club Pod. Interact with us at Game Club Pod. You might still have Game a chance to claim your locusts. Don't forget to claim your locusts, everyone. Claim the locusts. All toodles. right, toodles. Toodles.